0: The following message is from Grace City Church in Ottawa. For more information, please visit gracecity.ca. So drawing on our series in Exodus over the past uh, few weeks, we're going to look at how the freedom that we have been given in Christ makes us three things. One, free to sacrifice. Two, free to serve. And three, free to serve to celebrate. And we see all of these things, we see all of these themes uh, in the Exodus story that we have covered so far in this series. So let's start with free to sacrifice. Early in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 18, God speaks to Moses and tells him to go to Pharaoh with a message. And part of that message, message in Exodus 3.18 is this, it says, and they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord, our God. Now, this is interesting for a whole bunch of reasons. The first of which uh, that jumps out at me in this is is the tone. Even the fact that the word word, Please is in there. You know, we've been going through this series for a little while now. We've we've just finished a few weeks looking at the 10 plagues with each one, remember, being an escalation of the one before. But this is kind of where it all starts. Like the tone that God sends Moses to Pharaoh with is, is very kind like almost conversational, not, not light necessarily, but p- please let us go into the wilderness on a three days journey. We, we should read into the wilderness as actually a departure from Egypt. So it's no small thing that is being asked of Pharaoh, but God isn't sending Moses right away asking for the whole thing right out of the gate. God's giving Pharaoh um, space to kind of go on a journey with this and, and to be one to this. But Pharaoh, as, as many of us know, we've been going through this series, Pharaoh doesn't do that. Pharaoh's heart He's hardened, and right away, right at the very beginning, he digs his heels in and uh, says, no, there's, there's, there's no way that I'm going to allow this to happen. But it's interesting that what Moses goes to Pharaoh to request is that they can go, that the people could go to make a sacrifice unto the Lord their God, that they could go to make a sacrifice. Now, this is interesting, because at this point, In the history of the Hebrew people, sacrifice did not, um, it wasn't prominent. It didn't feature prominently as of yet. That comes a bit later in the Exodus story. At this point, sacrifice was not a regular part of the life of the followers of God and the family of God. But still, even then, God is associating the freedom of God's people with sacrifice. What does that mean for us today? The, the, the freedom that we have today. Today, I, I, I doubt uh, many, if any, in this room, um, again, just statistically, are from a Jewish background. There may be some of you, but most of us in this room would not be. So today, what does this mean for us? If we're not in, in, in the line, in the lineage of Abraham, if we're not Uh, Finding our ancestry in a Jewish line. What does this mean for us today? Well, if we're here and we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, we find ourselves then not in Abraham in that sense, but found in Jesus. And in Jesus, this link between our freedom and sacrifice is even stronger. We are only free if we are here and found in Christ because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. God is establishing, even right here, even in Exodus 3, that there is a link between his people and their freedom and sacrifice, but that's a pointer ahead to Jesus Christ. Our freedom is found only in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which every other Old Testament sacrifice is pointing ahead to, and is pointing ahead to, and is pointing ahead to. So we then are free to sacrifice as a people of God ourselves. But the sacrifice that we are free to move in is very different than the sacrifice that Jesus moved in. We are invited to sacrifice things in our own lives for the glory of God, but we don't do it in order to earn our salvation because Jesus and his sacrifice has already done that for us. Now, we often get this confused. Many of you will have experiences of this, either in your own lives or or in, in, in previous Uh, experiences that you have as a follower of Jesus, we can easily slip into this thinking that is, if I sacrifice enough, if I give enough to God, then my salvation will be guaranteed. If I sacrifice enough, then salvation will come to me. You know what that is? It's, It's salvation by works, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work because we're saved by grace through faith. But that doesn't mean that generosity should not be part of the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. Instead, for a follower of Jesus Christ, generosity is not a way into salvation, but rather it is a response to the free gift of salvation. It is a response to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself on the cross. So we as a people who have been freed to sacrifice even things ourselves, sacrifice things that we hold dear, our, our, our possessions, some of our Ambitions, whatever it is, whatever we value that we lay before God and we say, God, I just, I commit this to you. I hand this to you. This is for your glory. We do that in response to the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, which was his own life on the cross in our place. So we see in this story that we too are free to sacrifice in response to the sacrifice that Jesus has given for us. Knowing this, we are then free to serve. We are then free to serve the one who gave his all that we would receive adoption as sons. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, God says to Moses to go to Pharaoh again and to say this Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Notice the absence of the word like. Israel is like my firstborn son. No. No, what the Lord says through Moses, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. We looked at that last week in the Passover. It's no surprise that God wants freedom for Israel. But why? Why is it that God is so passionate about this? It's because He says it right here. He shows his intent. He shows his heart. It's because Israel is his firstborn son. Now, of course, we need to understand that in a different way than understanding Jesus as the son of God. The Nicene Creed that some will be familiar with speaks about Jesus as begotten, not created. The reference here to Israel as the firstborn son of God is as a created son. Okay, a created son. But listen to the affection of which God speaks about Israel. And 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 we, through this series, we've learned a few things about the Israelites, haven't we? We've learned a few things about Moses himself. We've learned that Moses was a murderer. We've learned that Moses didn't trust God. We learned that Moses was filled with fear. We learned that Moses lacked faith at so many times. That would be true of many of the Israelites as well. And that would be true of you and me as well. And still, God says, Israel is my firstborn son. The grace of this is just staggering. What we see happening here, what's actually happening in these verses, is a conflict between two fathers. Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Scripture, and Pharaoh, who we can see in a sense as the God, the father rather, of Egypt. And God, the Father, is is going to Pharaoh through Moses. And here's what he's saying. Let me put this in language that will make a bit more sense for us contextually. God is saying to Pharaoh, your son is bullying my son. This is after a long period of patience, a long period of of allowing Pharaoh and the Egyptians to change course and to cut it out. But God is sending Moses to speak to Pharaoh saying, your son is is bullying my son, who I love, and it's going to stop, or I'm going to do something about it. That's what God's saying. I don't know about you, but that, that comforts me. Notice that it's not the Israelites who are going to Pharaoh and saying, hey, you're, you're, you're bullying us, you're, you're oppressing us, and you better cut that out. That, that would not go well. We get a glimpse of that when Moses tries to take things into his own hands and kills the Egyptian that is beating a Hebrew. We see what happens when Moses tries to get out ahead of the timing of God and and grab the situation under his own strength and under his own control. But make no mistake, God sees this happening. And the God who says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay, takes the bullying, the oppression, the slavery of his firstborn son, Israel, very seriously. That should give us great comfort. Because if you are here, and again, you are in Christ, you are part of the family of God, you are a son or a daughter of God, God takes your oppression very seriously. He sees it. He cares. He may be being very patient and letting whatever or whoever is causing you or us as a people that oppression, he may be very patient with that, but make no mistake that he sees it and he cares deeply. And he says, I if this doesn't stop, I will do something about this. You will pay attention. You will do what I am asking of you because this is gonna stop. I, I've got three kids myself, you know, we're we're starting on this journey with them at school, and sometimes bumps, you know, at school and bumps with other kids. And there's like, look at me, like I'm I'm five foot nine, I've never been in a fight in my life. But when I hear about things happening uh to my kids at school unfortunately it hasn't been that often but there have been little bumps like there's something in me as a father that's just like who's that kid i'm gonna go sort them out like a 41 year old guy's gonna walk into a (laughs) schoolyard right hey kid come here let me talk to you i mean that would be absurd but but i i like there's something that i feel in myself as a father as as a very imperfect father how much more does god the father who is perfect in every way feel this towards his children let this encourage you this morning. Let you let this comfort you this morning. God is calling His firstborn son, Israel, to go and to be free, but free to serve, free to serve Him. Now we may hear that, and uh, we might try to see that through kind of the lens of uh, succession. You know, a show like that. You know, of a of a flawed father that wants others in his family to serve him, to build his legacy, to build his dynasty. And we struggle with something like this, don't we? We struggle with the idea of a father saying, my son, I want you to serve me. My daughter, I want you to serve me. But we mustn't see it through the lens, or well, I shouldn't say we mustn't. We can't help but see it through the lens of our earthly experience. But we must ask the Holy Spirit to help us see it in light of who God the Father is. He's not like any other father, no matter how great your father may be, no matter how horrible your father maybe He's not, in comparison to him, every father in this room, happy Father's Day, guys, we're evil. <laughs> we evil in comparison to him. Everything he does, he does perfectly. So when he calls his children to come and to serve him, you know what? That's the safest place for us to be. That is the best place that we can be because it's being with him. It's being near him and it's being invited, invited into his purposes. We are free to serve. We are free to serve the Lord. We are free to serve the one who gave everything in service to us. How did Jesus describe his own mission when he was here on earth? He said, the son of man came not to what? Came not to be served, but to serve. This is the example that Jesus has given for us. And he laid down his life as a ransom for many, Jesus says. We are invited into that same service ourselves in response to the way that Jesus has served us in giving us his life. So we're free to sacrifice, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. We are free to serve, remembering the example of Jesus who came saying that he came not to be served, but to serve himself. This is Jesus. He came to serve others. All of which means, this is the third one, that we are free to celebrate. I wish celebrate started with an S. It would make this nice and neat and tidy for me, but it doesn't, but it still rhymes. So I get preacher points for that. Okay, we are free to sacrifice, we are free to serve, and we are free to celebrate. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me, a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, feast is not a word that we tend to use very much these days. Maybe you find yourself saying it at Thanksgiving or at Christmas or at Easter or something like that, but but probably not. It's not a word that we use very much these days, but we can understand this as a celebration, a festival, a big party, if you will. But it's not just a celebration for our God. This is a celebration with our God. It's being with him, free to be with him. But what is it that we are celebrating? This is an important question because you don't have to go that far among Christian circles to see Christians who are celebrating and that's a wonderful thing but what what is it that we are celebrating well there are two things in particular firstly we are celebrating the lamb it's funny language isn't it but we are celebrating the lamb revelation chapter 5 verse 12 and 13 says this this is this is John receiving a vision of what is happening in heaven in eternity And this is what he sees. This is what he hears. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Where does this take place? What is John seeing? He's seeing something that is happening in the spiritual realm. He sees something that is happening in heaven. What is there nothing of in heaven? There's no slavery. There's no oppression. There's not these things that are holding down the people of God like what we see in Exodus. Or, friends, the things that we often experience, those painful things that we experience in our own lives as well. Yet, Still, even in that place of perfection, what is the song? What is the cry? What is the basis of the celebration? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. This is wonderful. This, this is the song that is going to be sung for all of eternity. This is not just a song sung by those who have received salvation, which is many of us in this group. This is the song sung by the angels in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb. So that's the first answer of this question. What is it that we are celebrating? We are celebrating the Lamb, the Lamb of God. We are celebrating Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. And secondly, in light of that, we are celebrating who we are in him and the freedom that we have in him. That's what we're celebrating as well. We are free to be generous through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the service of Jesus. And then we are called to celebrate the lamb and to celebrate what he has done for us. Part of how we do that is through generosity. Part of how we do that is taking what we have, including this morning, our money, for those who are able to do it with a joyful heart, And we offer it before him, saying, Worthy is the Lamb. We don't offer it before him to try to earn our way in. I don't know who is the wealthiest person in this room. I have no idea. But whoever it is does not have enough to buy their salvation. They cannot do it. Whoever it is does not have enough to buy favor from God, to buy blessing from God. You don't have enough. This isn't about your bank balance. It has nothing to do with your bank balance. You can't buy your way in. Church in Canada, you need to hear me when I say that, because boy, do we try. Boy, do we try, and we can't. This is a free gift. And in response to this free gift, we can then be a generous people saying, Jesus, because of who you are and what you've done for me, I want to trust what I have to you in part so that many more would know this gospel, so that many more would know you, and so that I would be reminded again that my provision comes from you. It doesn't come from what I give. It doesn't ultimately come from the roof over my head or the clothing that I wear or the food that I eat. Ultimately, it comes from you.